Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you. Buckle up your seatbelt because this is a wild ride. 
nothing but unfiltered talk and the hardcore truth. Mega, mega, mega. time it is to be alive. How exciting. Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday. I'm your host, Rory Sodder. Thank you for listening to the Rory Sodder Show. I hope you all had an amazing weekend. 
Hope you. I uh, hope it all went accordingly. Hope it was productive. Hope it was fun. Hope it was all of the above. Um, obviously, the most one of the most amazing, most one of the most iconic, one of the most historic moments political history was right in front of our eyes yesterday when President Donald J. The King Trump sat down with Kim Jong, Little Rocket Man Un. And uh, peace was, as as the way it's looking, I mean, it looked absolutely, I mean, the peace is made. I mean, they, they, you know, came to an agreement. They saw eye to eye. They spent hours and hours and hours together. They, you know, took, they, they, they had a lot of di- different discussions, and they did a lot of different negotiations. It was obviously set up, you know, beforehand in terms of, you know, getting stuff done. There were there were negotiations before the summit even occurred. So, you know, they, they kind of knew what they were going into on both sides, Kim Jong-un and President Trump. We know Kim Jong-un, you know, wants for his economy what, the, what, what everybody else has in the world, you know, the U.S., uh, you know, all these other big cities. He wants that sort of atmosphere in North Korea. And we know his economy in North Korea is badly struggling. And he needs the U.S.'s help. He needs our country um, badly. Um, you know, and we, we have a lot to offer, as everybody knows. And he would not have taken that trip to Singapore, Kim Jong-un, if he was not serious. They even said on the news this was the farthest that he has traveled outside of North Korea uh, to, to, to Singapore uh, since he's be- he became the leader in 2011. And he, you know, we, we know a week beforehand he gave Trump a letter. Uh, you know, the second most powerful person in North Korea last week took a trip to the White House and visited, took a visit, you know, sat down with Trump. You know, bef- obviously we knew that happened beforehand. Uh, as they're they're preparing for the summit, but Trump and, and Kim Jong Un in Singapore, they they hit it off so well. I mean, from what it looks like, and you know, we can all um, we can all pray, uh, you know, that uh, Kim Jong Un keeps his head straight and mind focused, because uh, you know, as it looks of now, the way it looks now. Kim Jong-un is getting contracts done as soon as possible. He's getting, getting everything put together and going to abide and, uh, you know, do whatever's necessary to comply uh, with President Trump, um, you know, because to, to, he wants to – he wants what we have. And in order to do that, you, you know, Trump's a very fair guy. When we know, we know our president is very fair and very – um, you know, he, he's willing to, he's open ears to, to, to things. And, you know, uh, denuclearizing, uh, Kim, Kim knows is the first priority and, and Kim's doing that. And Kim Kim is serious. I mean, he, all of these meetings and all of, all of this stuff that led up to this meeting, this summit in Singapore would not have happened if, if Kim Jong-un was not serious. I keep hear, hearing people around the media, you know, saying, oh, what if he's not serious? You know, people. I don't think people quite understand that stuff like this has never been taken to this sort, these sort of measures. If somebody was joking around, I mean, Kim, you know, was scared to leave North Korea because he was scared for his life. Uh, you know, Kim Jong Un was, 
and the fact, I mean, there's desperation in Kim Jong-un with his economy and with what he's going through. Hence why, he, you know, he, he made all of the attempts, attempts to meet with Trump. Even when Trump shut him down, shut him down a couple of weeks ago and said, I'm not going to meet with Kim Jong-un because he's trying to be, you know, condescending. And then Kim Jong-un quickly came back, apologized to Trump and said, oh, no, Mr. Trump, no, Mr. Trump, I need to meet with you. We need, so, you know, he knows Trump's not playing games. But this is huge, guys. This is, this is the moment that is amazing. This is absolutely incredible. I want to welcome um, on the line, uh, Josh. What's going on, buddy? What's up? What's up? Oh man! But uh, Dude, we, you know, we I got am, a big show. Um, so that that picture of them two shaking hands, I I got a notification on my phone for uh, for the when you know that the meeting was happening. I clicked on it yeah. and it went to that picture. It was the first thing I saw popped up on my phone, and I like started like yeah. jumping around my house for joy. That's the coolest picture I've ever saw, and I, I like it's such a cool moment. The fact that I'm an American. And I get to be like quote unquote a part of it, and I voted for that guy. <laughs> exactly. I mean, this is this is absolutely it's it's absolutely incredible. Um, and we have a big show tonight. We have foreign policy, foreign policy analysis, oil and natural gas investor, best-selling author, entrepreneur, radical Islam expert, and the contributor to the Daily Call DailyCaller dot com, ClashDaily dot com, dot com, DailySurge.com, and TheHill.com. Dan Perkins will be calling in. Uh, excited to talk to him. We'll also be talking to national security expert, political strategist, best-selling author, and entrepreneur Michael Doherty. He's got some big announcements, which we're really excited to hear from him about. Mike Zola will be calling in shortly, as always. Um, huge show, though. We got a lot to talk about. There's, you know, the Kim Jong Un, the North Korea, the, the summit. Obviously, is the the biggest. Uh, thing going on right now and the biggest topic we will get to everything else shortly i do want to play some quick clips though just from the the highlights uh, of the summit and uh all, all, it's just so amazing this is just unbelievable it's surreal in so many aspects i mean it's like wow um here we go and then we'll talk about uh little man syndrome uh not so tough guy only in his movies uh de niro let's get to that in a little bit as well Definitely want to talk to you about that. All righty. Uh, Trump and Kim, 2-7. Uh, I feel really great. We're going to have a great discussion and I think tremendous success. It'll be tremendously successful. And it's my honor and uh, we will have a terrific relationship, I have no doubt. Well, it was not easy to get here. 
그 과거가 있고 또 그릇된 풍경과 관행들이 우리 때로는 우리 눈과 귀를 가리우고 했는데 우리 모든 것은 이겨내고 이 자리까지 왔습니다. The past worked as fetters on our limbs and the old prejudices and practices Uh, worked as obstacles on our way forward, but we overcame all of them and we are here today. That's true. Fantastic meeting. A lot of progress. Uh, really very positive. I think better than anybody could have expected. Top of the line. Really good. We're going right now for a signing. What do you think? Do you have any comments about the authorization? What are you signing, sir? We're going to be announcing that in a couple of minutes. I mean, you get it wasn't the the clip. How were the clips? Did the clips sound very clear? They weren't. They weren't very clear. But it's it, you know, it's kind of interesting. You kind of even though you couldn't really hear exactly what was going on, you feel like the weight of that moment in the clip still, which I thought right, was like kind of neat. I mean, there was only a few things said in a lot of the video. I mean, they weren't the the um, the press didn't get really get. I mean, they got a lot a lot of long footage. But there weren't a lot of short clips with um, Trump and Kim together. Just very few words said with Trump and Kim while they were together next to each other. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's probably on purpose because Trump doesn't want the media to destroy everything. So he wants to keep, you know, some stuff. Exactly. You know, to, Mike Zola, welcome to the show, the New Jersey. How's it going, bud? What's up, bro? How are you, man? Everything's good, man. Just, uh... Thanking God for Trump, that's all. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It, it, it's really been an incredible, um, you know, it, it, this is unbelievable what we witnessed uh, in Can the I last... Can I just say something real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Well, I just, I just want to say this real quick because I'm getting really annoyed <clears throat> with uh, people like Ben Shapiro and these never-Trump morons. Libertarian, I, I hate libertarian. It's the libertarian. It's the libertarians, man. He's a libertarian. Yeah. I well, have, no, here, here, real quick. Uh, I want to correct that real quick, real quick. I want to correct my audience. I, I actually believe with a lot of libertarian views. I wouldn't say a lot, but there's some of them I agree with. 
but there's a lot of libertarian views that are out of this world and absolutely fantasy land. It's like, it's like liberalism, but Ben, Ben Shapiro, uh, the guy whines like a little bitch, but go ahead, Mike. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So, so I have a big, big problem. And now I know these people are very upset that Trump's the president and they just can't get over it. But I see last night, I see Ben Shapiro and all these, these frauds saying, how can President Trump shake hands with a dictator who killed Otto uh, Warmbrier and starved his country and say he's honored? So I have one reply to Ben Shapiro and these, these fools. Did you want him to spit in his face and call him a thug? I'm sure the meeting would have went really well after that, Ben. I'm sure the negotiation right. would have worked really well if Trump refused to shake his hand and uh, say he was honored. Yeah, yeah, Ben, let's take lessons from you on foreign policy. Nonsense. Well, well, Mike, let's let, Donald Trump. Mike, here, go ahead. Here's, here, real quick, here's Trump. I want you to finish, but here's Trump on Hannity. Um, t- he, there's a quick clip from Hannity uh, discussing on how, it, how everything that went on. Uh, sure. Two, two, six. And a few hours ago, I had the opportunity to sit down with the president. Here's part one. We'll show you the entire interview. Uh, part one of my interview with President Trump right after this historic meeting. Mr. President, Thank great you. to see you. Thank you very much. Historic day. Let's just, I think most people like me want to know what was going on in that room one-on-one. Well, the big thing is this is now my 25th hour of being up and negotiating, and we've been negotiating very Amazing. hard. This is about day. the complete, verifiable, irreversible denuclearization of the entire peninsula. And so without that, we uh, could not have had a deal. I mean, the one thing, up, we want to denuke the entire peninsula. We want to denuke that whole situation. That is a hotbed. And you know what's been happening for years, and nobody did anything about it. And you have to. We have no choice. We had to. And the relationship was really good. The, you know, it built. And I talked about early on in the relationship and the feeling, well, we had a very good feel right from the beginning. Mm. And we were able to get something very important done. Uh, and actually, some things happened after that was signed, Sean, where we're getting rid of certain missile research areas, certain missile testing sites. They're getting rid of a lot. You know, in the lead up to this, and this was pretty amazing because obviously I'm a pretty strong critic of uh, our news media in the country, but a lot had happened. He had dismantled the nuclear test site. He crossed over the DMZ. Three hostages were released. The missiles stopped being fired. He was willing, you wouldn't have come here if he did not, if he was not willing to talk about denuclearization. That's right. So all of that happened before you walked in, and I don't remember that you sent cargo planes of cash or gave anything really before the lead-up. Why do you Nothing. think he? Why do you think he's interested in doing this after spending that time with us? Well, it's sort of interesting because I noticed some of the press, and I'm not even knocking him because honestly they've been treating me very good on the subject. What's to treat badly? Mm-hmm. But some of the press would say he's meeting with them, and therefore he has a major loss. I said. Since when? Mm-hmm. And you know, others wanted to. It never worked out. It probably never could have worked out. But uh, we really have gotten a lot. You, you haven't seen missiles going up in seven or eight months. You haven't seen research. You haven't seen nuclear tests, very importantly. Japan is very happy because they were being encircled. I mean, there was a period of time when they were going right over the middle mm-hmm. of Japan. And we got our hostages back. 
And you're right. We didn't pay for that. But, but I think, I don't say that in a braggadocious way at all, because he did such a smart thing, because that was such a good, a good thing to do. And, and I feel so badly about Otto Warmbier. That was the one thing. And Otto did not die in vain. I actually believe, and I've gotten very friendly with Otto's parents. They're incredible people, devastated, as they, you know, mm -hmm. as you would think, great parents. He's, he was a great young man. But I think without Otto, this whole thing wouldn't have happened because it crystallized when he came back in the condition. It crystallized so much to so many people, maybe even to the other side, frankly. But I think that Otto truly did not die in vain. I've known you for a lot of years, and I think one trait that I could say is brutal honesty. In the room alone and then the subsequent talks with your team and their team. How honest, how brutal, what was said? Bring it, try and bring people into the room. So we got along very well. We got along from the beginning. We started off, he and myself and two interpreters, mm. and uh, from the beginning we got along. You know, I've made the statement, and I've said it before, I've said it about a lot of different kinds of relationships. You can almost tell right at the beginning. Did you tell at the beginning? What was, your, what felt, was that I first felt, minute? No, I felt very good at the beginning, and we, you know, I talked about we have to denuke this country has to be denuked, and he understood that. He fully understood it. He didn't fight it. And we're doing some great things, and for his country, and South Korea is going to be involved very much in helping, and Japan is going to be involved, and uh, President Xi of China has been, uh, you know, really terrific on the border. I think less so the last couple of months, unfortunately. Was that a big part? Because your meetings, when you met with the president of China, were scheduled, if I recall, for like 15 minutes. Didn't some go on for four hours? Right. Well, we actually met at Mar-a-Lago. He wanted to be at Mar-a-Lago, and we had a 15-minute meeting scheduled. When he comes in, we were going to go into breakout rooms where we had many people waiting for us, and it ended up lasting four hours. The 15 minutes, president of China, mm -hmm. great guy, it ended up lasting for four hours. We just got along, and yeah. we have gotten along. I mean, I wanted to treat us better on trade. That's my only problem. You know, they've been it killing us. Didn't they make concessions on intellectual property? Well, they trade. want to do things. It's, it's a tough thing. You know, they, they're doing so well. They've made so much progress against us for so many years. It's awfully tough for them to bring it back. And uh, we'll see how that all works out. We're going to we're going to do something. Definitely, we're going to do something. You know, they offered us eighty billion dollars in purchases of uh, agricultural products, right. but it's just not enough for what we're talking about. It's eighty billion. What do you I want? I never thought I'd turn down eighty billion dollars, but mm -hmm. we have to do something with intellectual property. We have to do something just generally on trade. Last year, we lost five hundred billion dollars with China. We can't do that anymore. Dan, I want to welcome, amazing clip, but I want to welcome to the show uh, special guest, uh, Dan Perkins, foreign policy analysis, oil and natural gas investor, best-selling author, entrepreneur, radical Islam expert, and contributor to the dailycaller.com, clashdaily.com, livezet.com, dailysurge.com, and thehill.com. How are you, Dan? Good to have you on. Good to have you back. Thank you. I'm fine. And yourself? Um, uh, we're doing doing really well. Um, good good to have you back. Obviously, there's a lot going on. Uh, we've been talking about North Korea for the last half hour. I mean, this is uh, quite something. You know, this is uh, we've never seen anything like this in the history of politics. When you know that that moment yesterday, 
uh, so iconic and so historic. And and I thought I was watching something out of a movie. It was so surreal. Um, Yeah. It, it, it really, it really, you know, it was, it was unbelievable. Dan, Dan, I want to, I want to get you, I want you to, uh, you know, give your thoughts, but uh, Mike Zola, real quick, I know you wanted to finish up on your comment. Yes. So I wanted to, uh, to let everyone know that people like Ben Shapiro and uh, the other never Trump people, they keep saying how we would be so mad if Obama shook hands with Kim Jong-un or whatever. And they're so mad that Trump shook his hand. So I, I just want to be clear. Donald Trump is a master strategist. He knows what he's doing. I asked them, I asked them, did you want Donald Trump to spit in his face instead of shaking his hand and, and call him a thug instead of saying he was honored to meet him? You think the meetings would have went well after that? Yeah, I'm sure the negotiations would have went perfectly after that, Ben. So I, I think people, people need to understand something. Otto Warmbrier's parents just released a statement today saying they're proud that President Trump is trying to make the world a safer place. So if Otto Warmbrier's parents um, can get over Donald Trump shaking hands with the leader of the uh, country that killed their son, I'm sure Ben Shapiro can. This is not Obama. Donald Trump will get results. He's not best friends with Kim Jong-un, and it's disingenuous for these people to say that. He has to be nice. He has to be, be respectable for anything to progress. And I guarantee you in the one-on-one meetings, which we don't get to see, obviously, Trump is very aggressive, very forceful, and things are going to get done at the end. So I just want people to understand that. What did you want him to do? You want him to spit in his face and say, you're a terrible dictator who starves your people. It's not, not, it's not going to work if you do that. Donald Trump has been negotiating for years. He knows what he's doing, and obviously he has to play the guy. He has to, to warm up to him. He has to make it seem like he's his friend. That's the only way something's going to get done. So I just want these people to stop being disingenuous and making it seem like Donald Trump truly loves Kim Jong-un. He's trying to make the world a safer place, but more importantly, America. So so people really, these never-Trump people are really out of line, and they ought to be ashamed of themselves. Well, well said. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear you, man. I, I, the critics, uh, there's a lot of uh, hypocrites out there and uh, a lot of critics that, uh, you know, the, the critics, I think, have it backwards and have it wrong. But, Dan, I want to get your thoughts just on, you know, the, obviously the whole North Korea thing. I mean, it finally happened after – you know, weeks and months of us waiting, you know, we finally saw it with our own eyes. I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts, Dan? Well, I wrote a piece last night that, that'll be published probably tomorrow. Um, Where and I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I've got 12 different people that are we're talking to about where it should go. So uh, okay. it'll be somewhere probably in the next 24 hours. Uh, I yeah. took a different position. And, I took and a Dan, position... Correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, but you've been heavily involved uh, with thoroughly studying uh, this whole North Korea situation for quite some time. I mean, you've been, you know, yes. you, you've done the history on this. You know, you've, I remember you kind of mentioning some stuff about North Korea in the past, but, but go ahead. I've, I've written, I've written a number of commentaries on this for the last year. Uh, yes. So, it's, yes, I spent a lot of time on this particular issue. But what I want to say to you is that, 
before I get into the to the the career situation, I just want to give you a fact that came out today. Yeah. Not about the discussions. Yeah. It was a poll that was reported by Rasmussen on the big polling organizations. Yeah. This is what they published today. Eighty five percent of the people that they polled are proud to be Americans. Wow. Amazing. Eighty five eighty five percent of Americans polled are proud to be Americans. Now, set that aside. So the piece that I wrote today, I wrote last night about midnight, finished it. Um, the, the working title was Donald Trump. President Trump is not Neville Chamberlain when he meets with Mr. Kim. Now, you're all too young to remember this, but Neville Chamberlain was the prime minister of Great Britain who went to meet Adolf Hitler to try and convince him that he didn't, he shouldn't invade Czechoslovakia. And so he got an agreement from Hitler. He brought it home and he basically said that there will be peace in our day. Within three weeks, he was on the road into Czechoslovakia, Poland and the rest of uh, the rest of Europe. (laughs) Chamberlain's approach was appeasement. Now, I'm going to say some things now that I know that none of you and none of your listeners have heard about this summit. Number one, no president in history of this nation was more suited to the job to go to that meeting yesterday than Donald Trump. Oh, he was more have, prepared. He we was have overly prepared. But 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 let me hear me out, please. Yeah. There were people, there were Democrats and other people who were saying that he didn't spend enough time preparing. He didn't attend enough briefings. He didn't he didn't do enough study. My contention is that for the first time, and I can't even tell you how many decades, we have a president of the United States who is the chief executive officer for this country, who was a very successful chief executive officer on a global basis. Global. Yeah. He yeah. worked. He has. He has. He has golf courses. He has hotels. Hotel, he has casinos. All over the world. Everything. All over the world, good countries, bad countries. So uh, he he has been preparing to be president of the United States for 40 years when he was president and chairman of his own company doing global deals. So he was the most qualified. If you look at Kennedy, you look at Nixon and Reagan, what you find in their first summits, they all failed. Why? because they had no experience being a chief executive officer and understanding and, what it means to be the CEO. And Dan, now, Dan, you, Dan, real quick, I want to, before you continue, you bring up a really good point with the whole CEO thing, the chief executive officer, because for many years, 
I've been saying that running this country is a business. That's that, that's what right. it, that's what it all comes down to. You need economics in order and in check before you do anything. Running this country is a business. It's all about money and finance. Like you need finances in order to do anything. And you, yeah. and the reason and another, here's another quick thing. The reason Trump was so prepared, and you bring up an amazing point, and the reason he's so successful as a CEO in business is because, he, and I've said this on my show many times, he has a way with people. He can bring people together. He's been doing it for all of these years. He can get people into a room. Right. He can talk to people. And then they come out feeling like the, the guy on TV, the villain, it's not, you know, it's not who he is. You know, they, like, they get a whole different feel. Like, I mean, this guy makes people feel comfortable, Trump. I mean, he makes people feel, like, just welcome and special. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. So, going on in the, inter- in the article that I wrote, I talk about um, what is it, what is it that, that Kim wanted out of this situation? And that's a little bit more complex, but I'll tell you why, what, what it was. Um, a better economy. He watched, he, yes, but he, he watched, Kim watched what Donald Trump did in Syria with the two attacks. Yep. Yep. He knew he was serious and he would use his military force to right it an evil. So he knew that Trump was not going to back down. He wasn't sure whether or not Trump was going to be like the previous presidents who were trying to bribe the Kim family to try and get peace or stability. Uh, he didn't know for sure. But when the, when, when the Kim regime attacked Vice President Pence, Donald Trump basically called off the meeting because – He's extremely loyal to the people who are loyal to him. And nobody has been more loyal to the president than Vice President Pence. And what happened is he took the tactics out of the Kim family playbook and used them against the Kim family because their strategy historically with American presidents is rattle their swords and then set up a meeting, cancel the meeting, and then the American presidents were capitulating to try and get them to the table, give them money, whatever it was that they wanted. When Trump said, okay, the meeting's off, and when Trump said, if it's not a good deal for the American people and for the world, I'm walking. I'm not going to do it. So he took all the power and the history that the three Kim rulers have had in the way they've treated the West and blew it apart. Now, the other thing, when Kim crossed the 38th parallel and walked into South Korea. His economy, the North Korean economy, is about the same GDP as the city of Reno, Nevada, about $40 billion. The entire country of North Korea is $40 billion. When he crossed the 38th parallel and walked into South Korea, South Korea's GDP is 53 times, 5-3, 53 times the GDP of North Korea. When he, Kim saw what happened in, in the G7 summit last week, 
And Donald Trump said, things are going to change. Tariffs are going to change. America is no longer going to be the piggy bank for the world. And the idea that we have a $500 billion deficit with China is no longer acceptable. And I want, I would like to have free trade with no tariffs and let people compete on their own. What Kim desperately needs is he understood that he was spending a third of his total GDP budget on military, on these nuclear testings and rockets. These people are starving to death. They're, 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 they've regressed into a, uh, a nation that is starving, starving for food, starving for money, and starving for identity. What Donald Trump brought to the table yesterday is the opportunity to make North Korea a trading partner with the United States. And we don't need his coal. We've got, we've got 373 years worth of coal reserves right now. And that's, his, that's a third of his total export is coal. But what he wants is he would love to have it happened in North Korea, what happened in Vietnam. The rebuilding of that economy into a major economy, and so that he, Kim, he gets from Trump, he gets a new, vibrant economy, which puts millions of his people to work, take them out of the camps, and make them productive, make them wealthy, and create a whole new North Korean economy. Right. Wow. Well said. Dan, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I I mentioned this at the beginning of my show is, you know, I did a kind of an opening monologue, but, you know, with with what Kim Jong-un, you know, with with how much effort he put in to making sure this meeting happened, I mean, let's let's face it, Kim Jong-un, since he got elected in 2011 when his father passed, he hasn't tra- Singapore was the farthest place he traveled, um, and he and he didn't even travel that much. I, I think his oh, he only had a few other trips, but he he didn't like to leave uh, there. He didn't like to go very uh, far past North Korea if he was going to go anywhere. So if he wasn't serious, he would have never made that long trip to Singapore, Kim Jong Un. If he wasn't serious, they would have never sent the second most powerful man in North Korea who works under Kim Jong-un, to the White House a couple weeks ago to go give Trump a personal letter. Uh, you know, and, and you're exactly right when you brought up the fact, and I talked about this on my show last week when, or a couple weeks ago when Trump said, you know, Kim Jong-un is not meeting the standards and guidelines that we set out for him, so we're going to cancel the meeting at this point. And then what Kim Jong-un do? He comes crawling back because he knows Trump is not playing games and Trump is 100% serious and is not a pushover. And and we right. see the opportunity that Kim Jong-un has here. He has a new life. for. He can make a new life for his country. He can get, you know, economically, he can, uh, they can, you know, do some amazing things. There's lots of opportunity. And he obviously sees that, and Trump showed him a huge video of what, you know, they could do beaches there, they could build hotels there, they could make it into a, 
you know, a place that's a power, a powerful destination, a place worth visiting at some point. Um, and, and Kim Jong-un, I know, wants that. I, I don't think Kim Jong-un is going to try any funny business because he knows he's only got one strike. And, and if he tries anything, Trump's walking away and he's, Trump's done. Yes, absolutely correct. Yes, um, I agree. But, but yeah, absolutely. Zolo, go ahead. Mike, I know you got thoughts. <clears throat> well, I just I, – I just – I don't understand how, and, and I just, I keep talking about how people hate the president because it drives me nuts, but I just don't, I can't comprehend how people are not cheering him on. I mean, what he's doing right now, it's, I believe it's going to work in the end. And people in the media and, and these liberals and these never Trump people, they're always going to, they're always, they're never going to give him credit. And it's really, it's really sad. And I don't think any other president ever could even have made this meeting happen. I mean, Bill Clinton sent billions of dollars. George W. Bush didn't do anything. Donald Trump gets Kim Jong-un to walk across the DMZ, and it's crickets. Crickets in the media. They showed it for about five minutes. Hey, Zolo, just to interrupt you, George W. Bush actually did something. He got us into two wars that were the dumbest things. Two of the dumbest decisions ever made in political history. <laughs> yeah, Iraq was a real winner. Um, but so I, I just think I don't think Obama. Okay, Obama never would have been able to get Kim Jong Un to walk across the DMZ. If that, how do you not? How do people think that he's not serious, North Korea? They haven't talked in in, in years and decades, and the guy crossed the DMZ to South Korea and hugged the South Korean president. This is serious stuff that's going on. Trump got him to free three hostages. That is a serious man. And from what I can tell, obviously we don't have all the inside information. Uh, It'd be impossible. We just don't have it. I think things are going really smoothly. And as Donald Trump said, as soon as something goes bad or or they're not serious or it's an offer they give that they won't back down from that he can't agree to, he'll walk away. So at the end of the day, Donald Trump didn't shake a dictator's hand for the fun of it. He's shaking that guy's hand to show respect, to try and hopefully make North Korea a better, uh, 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 make the world a safer place, and perhaps a North Korea an economic uh, powerhouse compared to what they've ever been. So I, I think this is going to be one of the biggest things ever in American history. If it works out, and, and from all signs, I, could, I, I believe that it's going to work. It's obviously going to take some time. But I think Trump will use this to his advantage, and most Americans at the end of the day will be cheering him on, except, those, except the very few liberals and people who cannot get over the fact that he won and that hate him. But average Americans, I'm not talking about us on the right wing, average Americans who perhaps aren't into politics as much as we are, are looking at this and they are blown away from what is happening now compared to under Barack Obama. This is such a different, this is change. This is hope and change, okay? This is not Obama's false hope and change. This is Donald Trump's. I think the average American, like I said, who isn't, you know, as into politics, say, as we are, is looking at this and saying, Wow, I might not like Trump all that much, but this guy really is getting stuff done. I mean, I haven't seen this ever happen. So I think it's going to happen. I think it's going well. 
And I just, obviously, it's a pipe dream, but I wish the media and people who even hate him would give the man some damn credit. Amen. Well, I don't... Perkins, Perkins, I had a quick question, if you don't mind. Sure. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, you were talking about, um, you know, uh, know, prior administrations and how their first summits had gone compared to the way that this one appears to be going. Speak on what they did, like what, you know, what Reagan to, to now did, what those presidents did differently and did wrong that, you know, ruined their success, so to speak. You know, like what did the, what, why, why, what were they doing that Trump is doing differently, basically? That's real quick, real quick before you answer that, Dan, that's a great point because that's, an, that, that's something I was going to ask you as well, but I'm glad you beat me to it, Josh, because it is frustrating if you look at all the past administrations and they've had so many opportunities to take the initiative and take action and address this issue and deal with it properly, but they never had the courage or the balls or the the proper strat, you know, strategy or leadership perhaps around them to do so. And, and we know about all the corruption, but I mean, it's frustrating to a lot of Americans, but I just wanted to mention that, but uh, go, uh, go ahead, Dan. Well, first of all, you have to understand that if you look at the three people, JFK, Richard Nixon, and Ronald Reagan. Now, if you look at it from this, from the standpoint of, What did they do in their life to prepare them to be president of the United States? None of the three actually run, were were running very significant business. Prior to to the, the, the last president who ever really had a private sector job for any length of time was Harry Truman. And he ran a haberdashery in Independence, Missouri. But my point is this, that America, the candidates for president in the United States on a historical basis come from either governors or congressmen or senators, bureaucrats, elected officials right. who have fed, fed at, the, at the public trough all of their life. The difference was that if you don't, if you've never run a global country, company, Ronald Reagan didn't, Richard Nixon didn't, and JFK didn't run global companies. So their exposure to the world and the reality of the world, in the case of just take, for example, JFK, the reason why his first summit failed with Khrushchev is that Khrushchev knew Kennedy had all of this, quote, foreign policy briefing, which everybody was talking about for Trump, that he didn't get a lot of foreign policy briefing. Well, the problem was that Kennedy was schooled dramatically in foreign policy, but he had no squat about how to negotiate a deal. He He had no corporate experience of running a business, making decisions, hiring, firing people, and working with contract. He didn't, they had none of that. Nor did Richard Nixon, and Ronald Reagan was an actor, became president of the Scream Actors Guild, was governor of California, but never run a private sector business. 
Trump has run a global business. So when he walks on the global stage, Trump is comfortable on the stage, and he knows how to deal with these foreign powers because he's doing business in all these nations all over the world. So he had an advantage over Nixon, Kennedy, and Reagan because he was already on the global stage. And so Do you when he think this is going to be one of those him, things? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, finish. I, I just want to. I just want to know if. Do you think this is going to be one of those things that we're going to look back on, like the Berlin Wall type of big deal things, you know, in history? I, I, I said it early on in the show. I said that I believe no Amer- no other American president was as equipped to do this job than Donald Trump. I believe that that when it's all said and done, when the historians look back on his presidency, they will minimize the the crap from the left and begin to evaluate him of what he's accomplished. I think he has the potential to be one of the greatest presidents in the history of our country. Very well said. Yeah, I, 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 I totally. Josh, are you still there? Yeah, still here. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's, you know, Dan, the, the kind of things that we've seen um, come from this president is absolutely, it's beyond remarkable. It, it's like, I mean, I, I, I classify Trump as a profound machine. I mean, that's the best way to describe him. I mean, this guy is, he's unbelievable. He's hes something that, uh, you know, he he didn't sleep for 25 hours straight. I mean, the, the guy is a workhorse. The guy is a true patriot. The guy loves our country. Um I mean, we've never seen anything like, I mean, this is, and, uh, you know, it's, it's the adrenaline. The adrenaline is amazing. Right. Every day well, is a new now, accomplishment. Every day it's a new me, accomplishment. Uh, and a new delivery. Right. So we've got about fifteen minutes. I want to raise. I want to raise an additional issue. But again, yeah. my guess is that you've not talked about on the show, and nobody else that I can find, because it's in my story. Nobody else has talked about this. The implication of what happened yesterday has far-reaching implications because North Korea has been consulting and working with the Iranian nuclear program. So with Mr. Mm. Trump having North Korea dismantle their nuclear capabilities, my guess is part of the deal is there's no more consulting no more help to Iran. And I said to people uh, that many interviews that I've done today, I said, do you find it interesting that Iran has been extremely quiet? And they've been quiet because they've got a problem. The mullahs. Yeah. 
the the mullahs who are the religious leaders who have been in control of that country for a long time are understanding that young people and what was left of the middle class have become secularists, meaning that the Quran and Sharia law are irrelevant to them. What's happening is that there are protests all the time in the southern part of Iran with young people, college professors, business people who do not want the United States to impose sanctions and they are angry and they get angry every day. And we could could very well see that once he finishes with Korea, Iran is next on his hit list. And by the time he gets to them, if he puts the sanctions on, puts the sanctions on in about 30 days, and we they see the crude oil that Iran is now shipping about, uh, is number three shipper of crude oil in the world, that diminishes dramatically. They lose revenue. Without revenue, they can't fund their government. The uprisings are going to get even greater. Yeah, and, you know, here – go ahead. If you, if you, yeah, just to, just to talk about the Iran – just to talk about Iran a little bit here and with the Iran nuclear deal, what do you think – like, do you think that all these other companies uh, – not companies, um, countries in the Iran deal that haven't really uh, – express what they want to do yet. Do you, what do you think they're going to do when Trump goes for Iran next? Are they going to fall? Are they going to stay out of it? Are they going to, you know, follow behind the United States? Do, do you have any um, leaning uh, on that question? Absolutely. I point you to last Saturday when Donald Trump said to the G6, we've been the piggy bank for the world. No more. The, tariff, the tariffs are unacceptable to us, and until we get a fair deal, we're going to put tariffs on. I'll give you two examples. If you're a farmer, a farmer in, in Iowa, and you're a dairy farmer, and you, you develop a really nice um, cheddar cheese, if you want to ship that, export that cheddar cheese to Canada, the duty to import it into Canada is 235% of the price of the cheese. Now, who, who in Canada is wow. going to pay 235% more for an American cheddar cheese? Well, Unbelievable. it could be. But... So, now, who's been, who has, out of this past weekend... In the, in the meetings in England, who was strangely quiet? Theresa May. Why? Yeah. Because Theresa, Theresa May knows that if they want to ship a Jaguar from Britain to Germany, the yeah. EU imposes a 10% tariff on that car. But right. if Volkswagen wants to ship a a Volkswagen from Germany to the UK, 
UK only imposes a 2% tariff. So right. even England is is being hammered by tariffs across the across the English channel. My point yeah. is that what Trump has said is the tariff structure in the world is going to have to change. And he said today right. that the deficit the, the 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 deficit balance of payments between China in the United States is approaching five hundred billion dollars. Yeah. That is unacceptable. Five hundred billion dollars is a trade deficit. So yeah, what it's, Trump it's said ridiculous. last weekend So Trump said last weekend we've got to do something about the tariffs. And you want me to take off the tariffs on steel and, and aluminum? Fine. Do something about the tariffs in general. So what we what we saw last <clears throat> Saturday was the President of the United States basically telling the world, I'm yep. in charge. Exactly. We saw him and here's in, and out of that, in and out of that G7 summit very quickly, said what he needed to say, said how it's going to be, you know, and they're, they're going to, you know, either abide by what the guidelines Trump puts into place or they're going to have to, uh, you know, learn the hard way because let's face it, all these countries need us more than we need them. USA is the most powerful nation on the earth. There's nobody that compete, can compete with us. They need us for so, for so many different reasons. Yes, sure, we need them for some things, but they also need us. They need us a lot more than we need them. Let's put it like that. But the fact that he got in and out of there, you know, didn't waste any time, didn't didn't buy into all the, you know, all the BS and, you know, stick around, uh, you know, just – converse like all of these other you know uh, leaders were doing I mean it, it's kind of a joke the whole thing the, 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 the G7 summit but uh, but, it's just, it's but the, the, important, the important the important thing about that summit was yeah. Yeah. that Donald Trump purposely left on Saturday before the discussion moved to global warming right <laughs> yep he yep, left, he did. and, and he, he sure and he did. told them, I, I pulled out of the Paris Accord. I'm not going to stick around for that discussion. See but, you later. But what happened? Everybody spent all the time talking about the tariffs. Did you see any press releases or any any serious discussion about any discussion about global warming or climate change? Not one. It was supposed to take, not one. It did. It, it took place, but it didn't make the news. So. The whole the whole reaction to the summit was, Mr. Trump says, trade is unfair. I'm in favor of free trade with no tariffs, and you're not going to be we're not going to be the piggy bank for the rest of the world. And he said that yesterday when he said he agreed to stop the exercises with the joint uh, North South Korean and American military. He says it costs a lot of money. Why? Why are we spending taxpayers' dollars on that? That's crazy. And so yeah, and by the, part of his part of his his concession to Kim was, we're going to stop that for now. Go ahead, Zolo. Yeah, and by the way, uh, on trade, this notion people first of all people need to understand Donald Trump is the first president to take this head on all by himself. He has. 
he is facing massive resistance from his own party on this. They're, they're now sending up uh, bills to the Senate uh, to try and take away his, his uh, executive powers to impose tariffs. I mean, what this man has to deal with on a daily basis is, is irritating. But you have these conservatives who are all about free trade. I'm a conservative. I'm for free trade. But not when we're getting screwed for decades and decades. Trump's not going to get us into a trade war. The United States has absolutely been in a trade war for the past 20 or 30 years, and we've been losing. We've been getting our asses kicked. All Trump is doing is fighting back, and he's saying, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Our factories are, are out. They're, they're down. We're losing all of our industry, coal mining, all that stuff. We're lo- I mean, take a look at some towns in Ohio. They're like ghost towns. They used to be vibrant manufacturing. It's, it, all those jobs have been shipped overseas and ruined. And Trump is the only one to take them on. And, and his own party, like this guy Justin Amash from, from Michigan, just can't stop bashing them over trade. What good is free trade if we're, use, if we're losing almost $500 billion a year trade deficit with China? It's about time right. we had a president do something about this. This is out of control. I have family who live in Ohio. It used to be manufacturing factories all over the place. My uncle says you go through towns there, and it's just abandoned old factories, manufacturing buildings, warehouses. Donald Trump is bringing mm-hmm. it back, and it's about time. But, of course, yet again, facing resistance from not only the, the Democrats, but the Republicans. I mean, it's just absurd. I was on uh, China, China Global Network Television in 117 countries with 70 million viewers on Tuesday night, and one wow. of the panelists was talk. One of the panelists was talking about uh, the 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 tariffs, and he said probably won't won't make much change near term, but three to five years out. It's going to cause some serious job losses in the United States. And I said to the gentleman, excuse me, excuse me. You're making an assumption that those tariffs are going to be in place for five years and that the countries that that are abusing the trade program are not going to consider changing. I think your argument is flawed when you're trying to say in five years. Uh, We don't know. Mr. Trump doesn't want to have the tariffs on steel and aluminum. He's using the tariffs as a vehicle to try and get those countries who've been abusing us for decades to come to the table and renegotiate their trade tariff deals. And I think they'll do that. Excellent point. Yeah, they're making it seem like he, like he's like this isol, you know, like he's this protectionist. But he's not. He All he's trying to do is level the playing field. We're the United States, and what he did during this G7 summit is very simple. He said there's a new sheriff in town, and we're not going to continue to be abused, used, and taken advantage of by all you guys, Canada, China, the, you know, all these countries. They just rip us on trade. And, all he, and what he did was say no more. I don't want to do tariffs. I wish no one did tariffs. But if you're going to do tariffs, I'm going to have to hit you even harder. And 
as, as a big Trump guy, that's one of the big reasons I voted for him. How can you not be happy with this? No other politician has done this or had the balls to, and we have a president doing it. So it's, it's just – it's not what he wants in the long term, but it's a way to get all these other countries to change and start calming down a little bit with the tariffs. His, his position is not to have a, a t- you know, tariffs for 10 years. His position is to negotiate, go hard, go strong, so they can get rid of tariffs, lower them substantially. That's the purpose of it, and in the end, they will listen. That is a guarantee. And by the way, uh, so far as job loss, yeah, we've lost a lot of jobs from the way trade is right now and has been for years. So I don't want to hear about job loss because millions of Americans has already lost their jobs uh, due to the lack of strength our politicians had taking on trade. So job loss has been happening, so I don't want to hear that either. So I've, I've, I've got to leave, but I want to leave you with one more thought. Yep. What, what Donald Trump has been doing in his first 15 years in office, or 15 months in office, he spent a great deal of time addressing issues and problems on a domestic or global basis that other administrations have ignored. He's trying to fix things, and that's what he's doing. Right. He's a fixing, and he's he's knocking them off one at a time. So, thank you for having me on, and uh, absolutely, maybe you'll invite invite me back sometime. And Dan, yeah, Dan, it's always a pleasure having you on. You're a good friend of the show. You've been on it quite a few times now, and if you have anything to announce. Uh, feel free. Um, you know, I do, before you go, one last question before you go. How do you feel, like, what, what, how do you feel that the, the document was signed for complete denuclearization? Do you, do you actually feel, I, I want to know how you feel about that, uh, the, the document being official. Like, do you feel, uh, you feel strong and confident, don't you? I, I believe that before, I, be, I believe that there's a possibility, a great possibility, that some kind of major breakthrough will happen just before the midterm elections. And it will be more ammunition for Republicans and for people to vote against the Democrats and vote for Republicans. So, but I, I do believe that there will be a, I don't know that it'll be before election, but I believe there will be there will be a denuclearization of North Korea and a great not even economic revival because they haven't had it. They're gonna they're gonna blossom into a, a major economic power much like South Korea has. And then you may very well see a reunification of the Koreas under one regime. Right. Yeah. Well, very well said. Very well said, Dan Perkins. Uh, sir, uh, please, if you, uh, it's always great having you. If you have anything to announce, uh, go ahead where people can find you, all the latest projects you're working on. Uh, I know you're a very busy guy. You've got a lot of good stuff going on. Yeah. My books are available at, at your local bookstore or on any online or Amazon.com. And uh, last week ago today, I had the privilege and the honor to welcome 72 veterans who were returning on an honor flight from Washington, D.C. to St. Petersburg, Florida. 
and our foundation, Songs and Stories for Soldiers, gave every one of those returning veterans one of our MP3 systems uh, for them, and someday we need to talk about that program too. Wow. And, 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 Amazing. Amazing. That's amazing. Very, very cool. Uh, yeah, we go, we'll talk okay. about all of this uh, in the future. Yeah. And, you, uh, yeah. Go ahead. I'm just going to say, if they want to learn more about it, they can go to our foundation website, which is songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Okay. And then if they want to – don't you have a website as well if people want to find all your sure, stuff? Sure. If you – if you want to see about my books or radio or television interviews or commentaries that I'm writing for all the blogs that I write for, that's all available at danperkins.guru, G-U-R-U. Perfect. Dan, always a pleasure. Um, we'll have you back on soon. Uh, have a great night, sir. Cheers. God bless you. Thank you. Goodbye. All right. Take care. Dan Perkins, everybody. Great guest, great guest. Has a lot of insight, very smart, doing a lot of good things with his life, and uh, has a great long resume in the political industry. But wow, Zolo, Josh, you're still with me. Um, Zolo, I know you want to you want to say a few things, and then you wanted to, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna get to actually you know real Zolo or Josh, unless you guys have anything to say real quick which I know you guys probably both do. I'm going to get to the next segment in a second, but go ahead. Well, I just, I just want to say that um, obviously I'm a huge, huge, huge Trump supporter, and I'm just really, really proud of President Trump. And he needs all of us, people like us, out there defending him from the vile left-wing media, these Marxists in the media, all these liberals – it's time to defeat the left because Donald Trump is bringing America back to the greatest time. He truly is making America great again, but it's our job to help him in the midterms. All this stuff with North Korea, it's all great, but we got to be out there defending him, not letting the media spin the narrative, spin the message. That's our job to, to, to set, to set the, the truth free and to defend our president. That is our job. Our job is to defend the president of the United States from the vile left. The left needs to be defeated. And what Donald Trump is doing is North Korea. I am ashamed in every single American on the left and the right that can't give this man credit. Every American should be rooting this president on instead of acting like a little bitch-ass liberals crying about yeah. everything he does. They should, be, they should be cheering him on and hoping he succeeds instead of hoping he fails, which leaves North Korea starving, which leaves America a less safe, a less safe place and ultimately the world a less, a, less safe, a less safe space. So every American who's not cheering on Donald Trump, you are the problem. Look in the mirror because you're the problem with this country, and uh, I pity all of you. Thank you. <laughs> Very well said, very well said. And, you know, all these liberals and all of these, all of these humanitarian <coughs> activists that they say they are on the left, you would think they would be happy for this whole 
um, you know, a step that Trump's taking because aren't these the same people on the left that are always crying about how people in foreign countries are suffering and going through all this terrible, all these terrible things. Um, and you're seeing the left criticize him for meeting with a dictator, but the only reason Trump is meeting with the dictator to make the people in North Korea, Korea's lives better, the people around the world better. And, you know, that will make some money off North Korea as well. We set up and some economic trades. You know, but, but you know what I mean, though? You know what I mean? Like these activists that say they care about humanitarian issues uh, that are on the left, but now they're totally against Trump trying to help the people of North Korea. It just makes no fucking sense to me. It's like backwards ideology. But, Rory, this is why, and you're right, all these left-wing humanitarian activists, they're all full yeah. of shit because the new left, the new Democrat Party, would rather Donald Trump fail America mm-hmm. succeed. That is what liberals yep. believe. They may not admit yes. it. Actually, they do admit it. Bill Maher just said he yes. hopes for a recession, so Trump loses. Yeah, he hopes for a this recession. He's worth $100 million. Bill Maher's worth $100 million, and he basically yep. says to, to everyday Americans, go fuck yourself. I hope for a recession. That's how much I hate Trump. The hostility and the anger, and the, it's just crazy. And, but that's what I want to say. What he said, you have some Democrats, you know, some liberals say, oh, we don't believe that. He's just joking. No, 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 no. I want everyone to understand. Every liberal, every liberal who hates Donald Trump as much as Bill Maher and all these other vile liberals, they absolutely will do whatever it takes, and they will be okay with whatever happens so long as Donald Trump fails, so long as Donald Trump loses in 2020. That is what we are dealing with. We are dealing with cultural Marxism. We are dealing with with liberals. We are dealing with the most vile left-wing people on the face of the earth. The new left, the Democrat Party, is, is grotesque. They are evil people. Their hatred for Donald Trump will never go away, ever. So this whole thing of, oh, we got to we got to explain to them why Donald Trump is great. Let's just debate them and have a civil conversation. Bullshit. These people cannot be saved. They are zombies. They are, they are not human. They are gone. They will never support Donald Trump. So all Republicans and all candidates don't even try to cater to the left. Screw them. Worry about the right wing and the independents. That's all you got to worry about. The Democrat Party will never, ever support Donald Trump, and it's a pipe dream. It's a wish if you think they will. You're 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 absolutely you're absolutely right. And, and you know we're speaking speaking of good news, you know, and the, who does support Donald Trump? Vast majority of Americans su- supported the Trump meeting with Kim Jong Un. So just goes to show the, the liberals in Hollywood lose more and more credibility every day. And I can't wait to get to this. As we know, Robert De Niro only plays a tough guy in his movies. He's got little man he's got little man syndrome. He's a little he's just a little guy and we all know that he's jealous and of, of Donald Trump. Donald Trump is much bigger than him, much tougher than him. You know, I think I think De Niro too often fa- fails to comprehend that 
he's not in his movies. He's actually in real life, and he he'd get his ass kicked on the street. De Niro. De Niro would would pop up. De Niro is not a tough guy. De Niro. It's oh. called acting. They pay you to play a character to portray a tough guy. Doesn't mean you're a tough guy in real life, Bobby De Niro. I'm sorry. Trump would destroy you in about two seconds, De Niro. Trump would have you on and the act- ground. And actually, I wanna, I wanna uh, continue on. I this. wanna play the clip though, uh, real quick. I-, I wanna play the clip, and then Hollywood starts cheering. I mean, th- th- can can you come up with some better material, Robert De Niro, besides fuck Trump? Listen to this shit. I mean, this is ridiculous. We've all heard it, but let's hear it again. Ladies and gentlemen, Robert De Niro. Oh, my God! I'm going to say one thing. Fuck Trump. Yeah. Go take your face. Fuck you, savage boy. It's no longer down with Trump. It's fuck Trump. Can you believe that? It's no longer down with Trump. It's fuck Trump. I mean, this guy's ridiculous. And not only did he make, I mean, not just that statement. You got to hear De Niro, uh, this other clip, which was just from uh, yesterday. De Niro is the biggest pussy. He's apologizing to Justin Trudeau. That's how, much, that's how low De Niro has gone to being a soy boy, wimpy, I mean, De Niro, I mean, is as weak as they get. Listen to this. This is pathetic. He's opening his new hotel, uh, Nobu restaurant, whatever, in Toronto and uh, with his buddies, and then he's apologizing to Trudeau for President Trump's behavior. De Niro's ridiculous. One, two. I just want to make a note of apology for the idiotic behavior of my president. Um... <laughs> It's a disgrace, and I apologize to um, Justin Trudeau, too, and the other people at the G7. It's disgusting. Great to be here. That was the scene in downtown Toronto. Yeah, go fuck yourself, Robert De Niro. Seriously, everybody in Toronto starts cheering. Yay! And they did. Oh, my God. And by the way, by the way, I've been uh, reading a couple stories about Robert De Niro. He uh, he's quite the cheap bastard. When he gets when he pays uh, limo, and he's when he quite gets the limo, pals with Harvey Weinstein. Oh yeah, uh, they say countless limo drivers have said that Robert De Niro, who's worth hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, gives the limo driver driver about five dollars. So he's an elitist. He is a soy boy liberal. He's a cuck. He is the problem with America. Robert De Niro is not no tough guy. Robert De Niro wishes he was relevant. Robert De Niro was good in Goodfellas, but it was fake. It's not real, Bobby. You're not a tough guy. This, this. Yeah. Can you imagine any uh, conservative? If they said about Obama. Said that about Obama. This is the way they speak so disrespectfully about our president. And by the way, make no mistake, 
understand something. When this, when this fool, this soy boy liberal says, fuck Trump, understand something. He's saying, fuck you. He's saying, fuck you to the 63 million Americans who voted for him. His problem is not only Donald Trump. His real problem are the Americans that put Trump where he is. So I want people to understand, it's not that he hates Trump. He hates us because in the end, we're the ones who put him there. Robert De Niro is not relevant. He hasn't been in a good movie since the fucking 80s. And I'm sick of these friggin' liberal elitist pigs, these left-wing psychos constantly smearing my president. And uh, guess what? If they keep doing it, they can keep saying fuck Trump and cheering them on like the clapping seals they are, the brain-dead zombies. Trump will not even have to campaign in 2020 because, Rory, I say this every show. I'm on the right wing. I'm Trump's base, as you know. But the average yeah. American people who uh, you know may not consider themselves right wing, who aren't involved uh, in as heavily in politics as we are, they watch this stuff where they see Robert yeah. De Niro scream "fuck Trump" and they get turned off. And people that it may draws not them more to him, Trump, and I've been saying that for a long time. The more people bash Trump, the more popular Trump gets. And it's not only the more people bash Trump; it's the people who bash Trump. So when you have a guy worth a couple hundred million dollars who doesn't understand why the hardworking Americans that have been forgotten in this country for 30 years, it drives them towards Trump. It's people like Robert De Niro, these Hollywood liberals who smear Trump and curse him out all the time, who ultimately are just campaigning for Trump's reelection massive victory in 2020. So honestly, I hope they keep it up. I hope Robert De Niro... Uh, keeps going. He's getting pretty old. He'll probably have a heart attack soon. But um, yep. just keep doing it because Trump is Trump is not going. It's it's going to be so easy for him to win that it's going yep. to be rather landslide. So it's all good. Yep, he's going to win in a landslide, no doubt about it. Um, and you know, Josh, I want to. Obviously, I know Josh. You have some thoughts. Go ahead, Josh. I just think it's it's pretty hysterical that, you know, instead of him going and doing something notable, like, you know, maybe for the country or like, you know, producing something that is, you know, people like to see or he's just going to, you know, start bashing Trump to try to get, you know, the media's attention. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty sad. Honestly, I feel bad for the guy. Like that's the only way he can be relevant anymore. Like, you know, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure like, I, I, I like, I think I could do something a little bit more relevant than, than doing that to get on the stinking news. I have, I will say, Josh, I have been seeing a lot of Robert De Niro movies going straight to video to Redbox uh, and not in theaters. So I, I don't, I don't know if he's having the best career lately. You know, I uh, will say that, you know, he's Robert De Niro and he'll obviously get big roles uh, throughout, you know, the rest of his life. I mean, here and there, but he's he's nowhere near uh, the star he once was or the, the big name he once was. And people are getting turned off by him every single day, and people are losing respect for him. I mean, it's visible on social media. I mean, you can see people angry at uh, Robert De Niro for uh, disrespecting our president. But I want to welcome to the show national security expert, political strategist, best-selling author, and entrepreneur Michael Doherty. 
Michael, my friend, how are you? Welcome you welcome back. Great to have you back in the show. Good friends of the show. What's going on? Sorry, better late than never. Got mom here. A little bit of a medical thing today, so I'm bringing it a little bit late. Forgive me, folks. I, I'm, I love to come in to beat up, beat up De Niro, but I have to tell you, I was just at a television festival, and these people are very out of touch with reality. I mean, not so much, you know, De Niro really might be are. disturbing, but the standing ovation is the upsetting part. And um, they live they live in an echo chamber. But, you know, they're famous. They don't interact directly <laughs> one-on-one for safety reasons. They have security. Yes. He's got millions of dollars. They They don't have relationships, so they really believe this, and they don't understand, and they're spoiled, spoiled, spoiled. So yes. to conduct yourself that way because you're not getting your political way, <laughs> I mean, and, and I'm my, like. And my, Michael, you know all about this because I've seen, you know, you know John Cusack. You go back and forth with him on Twitter, I've seen. And uh, this John Cusack, John Cusack <laughs> is a complete fucking moron. This guy is calling for a coup in the streets. He wants people to overthrow Donald Trump and the government. I mean, John Cusack is out of his mind dangerous. He blocked Yeah, he lost, he, he lost it a couple weeks ago. I don't know what it is because actually I do have a couple. Cusack usually, I mean, I don't know him. I haven't met him, but we've gone back and forth a few times and He's not um, – he doesn't lose his mind like he did last week, but he really did, and uh, that that was strange. Uh, but he he's will, but he will take the bait. overthrow he, of the government. I know. That, that's what's crazy because, you know, that was like, uh-oh, he's jumped the shark. Because the thing about Kusak that I liked <laughs> until he jumped the shark was you could actually have a conversation with him, um, but – you know, even though, and he wouldn't back down from a fight. He wouldn't go crazy, but he did go crazy. I, I don't know. I think these people. He, here's the big picture to me: liberals, <laughs> this to the roots with them. I mean, this is to, to this is a worldview that that's very deeply rooted, grounded in cement. To have them to change their minds is like having the entire earth shake. It, it they, they just. And they because they we are not trained in in the realities of freedom. We don't have civics books that are accurate. We don't know, therefore we don't know. We get confused, uh, and it's so weird to watch watch these people vilify Trump as if he is. <laughs> I, I always laugh when I hear MSNBC scream about how he's ruining the Constitution. I'm like, what? And they always say I mean, Hitler. Hitler was a liberal socialist. If anything, Obama's Hitler. Right. It's just so amazing what they throw at him. I'm like, come on. I, I like the Constitution, really? I, I mean, you know, there's a lot. If you want to, you know, if you want to pick it apart, but you know, this is it's it, this is just. Um, I mean, I really do enjoy the beer and the popcorn on the 50-yard line because, you know, I'm in my 50s, and, and I remember being just appalled by the people that were okay with Clinton. And, you know, Clinton is – Clinton – I did not have generation. sexual relations with that woman, Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> right. He taught teenagers – that he taught teenagers that oral sex wasn't sex and, and everything's okay. And he, 
he desecrated the Oval Office. And, and all these people that they were like, well, that's none of our business and it doesn't matter. Their hypocrisy, see, is coming at them like a massive boomerang. And it's, it, it, it was, it's, more, it's, it's not about Trump. Trump's just the biggest smack in the face. You know, I mean, you just well, look at their their hypocrisy starting to consume themselves. Well, I was going to say, liberals, all of a sudden, liberals care about the Constitution, they care about spending, and they care about morality. All of a sudden, that's what liberals care about. Yeah, I don't think so. Right. And I, I do hey, talk I, about the triangle. Like, the liberals have a triangle, and it's victim, savior, villain. And they and they have to be the savior. And it makes them feel good about themselves. And if you kick that leg out of their table, everything falls. Their worldview, they're feeling good about themselves. And then they have to then have to swallow that they've been wasting their time, their identity of just being the savior and everyone else is so terrible. It's just, it all implodes and, and they can't they can't handle that. So they're it's kind of like falling off a building, and they, they freak. And, boy, they're freaking. It's just – did you turn on the TV today and watch this analysis of Korea? I, I was just like – this whole Singapore trip – I want to get I'm, to that, but real quick, Michael, real yeah. quick, we're going to get to a lot. We're going to get to a lot of things. But real quick, speaking of the sexual predator, Bill Clinton, a very awkward interview yesterday uh, where he is basically um, – you guys got to hear this. This, this guy – He's saying the norms have basically changed of taking women against their will. I mean, Bill Clinton is basically admitting he's a sexual predator in this clip. Listen, this is this is. I don't want to get too off topic, but if you guys want to hear bizarre and like kind of disturbing. Here you go. But I, you know, you, you get you get what he's saying. It's, it's ridiculous. I assume you think that what happened with you was more serious than what happened with Senator, former Senator Al Franken. He was driven from office from the U.S. Senate. So norms have changed. Do you think that's a good thing? Well, I, in general, I think it's a good thing, yes. I think it's a good thing that we, we should all have higher standards. I think the norms have really changed in terms of what you can do to somebody against their will, how much you can crowd their space, make them miserable at work. You don't have to physically assault somebody to make them, uh, you know, uncomfortable at work or in, at home or in their other just walking around. Uh, that, I think, is good. Uh, I think that, I'll be honest, the Franken case for me was a difficult case, a hard case. There may be things I don't know. But I, I, maybe I'm just an old-fashioned person, but I, it seemed to me that there were 29 women on Saturday Night Live that put out a statement for him. I mean, Jesus, Jesus Christ. I mean, the guy, the guy has no remorse. The guy is basically saying, you know... Using that term in general against their will, I can't even believe he used that term in an interview. I mean, we we know what he was getting at. Well, I mean, uh, uh, what this what what you're seeing here, I think what you also saw with Weinstein, which is these the, when the tyrant's power crumbles, 
then yeah. the people that were, you know, the victims start to fight back. And, uh, and and you can, you know, you can slice it any way you want. Some of the victims certainly weren't complete victims. They they chose not to fight all those years ago. I don't really feel really sorry for Ashley Judd. Um, no. But that doesn't change Definitely the fact not. of who these people are. Um, and and whatever you want to call it, it's still not okay. They certainly were using their power. And some people cho- chose to barter and some people chose not to. Uh, and, you know, but, but it, it, look at the, 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 Clinton, the Clinton's powers crumbling. So look at what the reporter asked him. Do you think a reporter would have ever had the nerve to ask that of Bill Clinton before or say that? I know. So that he and had the to way, ask that the question? Way, the way he answered it, it's like – I, it's like, in a sense, not word for word, he didn't say this, but basically he said, I couldn't get away with today what I did 30, 20, 30 years ago with assaulting women. You, you know what I mean? That's right. Basically what he meant. <laughs> but, you know, I really want to really get into, you know, I didn't want to get too much off topic, but obviously with the Bill Clinton thing, but the whole De Niro thing, we obviously know these Hollywood stars live in their own fantasy land. They live in their own delusion. They live in a bubble. And they don't, they don't speak for, um, you know, everyday Americans. They don't speak for, uh, you know, they're their own, they're, they live in their own little, it's, it's, their own, it's their own story. It's their own, they don't even know reality. Like you said, Michael, you bring up a great point. These people are so out of touch. Um, you know what, I really, I really want to, real quick, I, you know, we talked about a lot about North Korea earlier, earlier in the show, uh, Michael, but I, w- I really want to talk to you about that. And I know you have a real quick mention. You have a big piece coming out. I want you to, uh, you know, uh, spread the word about that real quick. You have a big article in, uh, coming out in the Hill, I believe it is. Well, it's, it's kind of, it, it was a big, a big article on the Hill came out about me, which is why I didn't want to, I mean, uh, it, it sounds like I'm bragging. So I did write. There was just, I, my case, uh, <laughs> I won my case in the 11th Circuit last week. We're just waiting for the nice. Federal Trade Commission. We're waiting for, thank you. We're waiting for the Federal Trade Commission to decide whether they're going to go to the Supreme Court with it. But it's it's an undeniable huge win, and it's one of the first wins ever against the administrative state. That because the way the administrative state works is they bully everybody, and most people can't take the bullying. They don't have the time, the money. Uh, the the they can't take the media beat up, and I stood I stood up to it and I took it for years, and uh, so there's a, an article in the Hill that came out a few hours ago telling everyone why I'm such a hero. Now that's why I was really trying to get you to say that, not me, because it, if I say it, I sound like an ass. <laughs> so, right, no. so if you so if you want to look at like the Hill, you know it's it's called uh, Meet the Hero that 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 took on the administrative state one. Uh, but I'm beginning a, a lot of um, my phone's been kind of blowing up tonight because of it. It's, it's very, uh, it, it explains a lot of the process. It's really amazing how, how little empathy everyone in Washington has for what they do to people. And the reason they don't have empathy is because there's no story because the dead have no voice. Usually they kill everyone, and I mean kill, I mean beat you up, ruin you, take your reputation, and we have a lot of cowards. Society always is filled with more cowards than not, and cowards right. run. And uh, cowards run, cowards just, they don't, they just stand at the sidelines, you know, 
and because uh, they don't want to get the government mad at them. And then there's a few people that take it on. But I would, you know, it's just so outrageous. They're so corrupt and they're so. I think I don't know what offends me more about these people. I think the number one thing that offends me about these people is their sanctimonious um, superiority. That they, one, while they're destroying everything, they think they're saving everything, from cybersecurity to medicine to the air. I mean, they just these people are just. Nuts, and they're dangerous. And I knew that years ago. I knew the way to really upset them was to go after their self-concept that they cling to, that they're world savers. They save the world, and if you attack that, they lose their minds. And I wanted to draw them into that fight because I needed to show everyone what they were like. I needed them to take their own masks off. And they're so and they're so stupid. They didn't disappoint. Right? Yeah. that's amazing. I love. I, lo- I mean, I, I I love that. I love that. I wanna. I really wanna. Um, we got. You know, we're on a time a time frame. I want to ask you quite a bit. You know, we have a lot to talk about. I do want to get talk to you a little bit about North Korea, even though we covered a lot of that earlier in the show. So I know you 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 have a you know a lot to do with. You know, uh, you've been uh, following it very closely, and you have inside sources and stuff like that. But real quick, I didn't play this clip earlier. I played a lot of clips earlier, but Rodman, Dennis Rodman, <laughs> the greatest, the great greatest rebounder in NBA history. I'm, I'm and, a Detroit yeah. Pistons, by the way. By the way, I'm from Detroit, so I have to chuckle okay. with Rodman. But go ahead. <laughs> All right, but well, here we go. So Rodman, you got a clip of Rodman crying on an interview because it, it, it's one of the oh, best God. days of his life. He says because Trump. Two of his good friends, Trump and Kim Jong Un, have made peace. Have came together, and I, I gotta, I gotta tell you, as crazy as it sounds, and I've said this many times on my show, as crazy as it sounds, Rodman is the very first American to ever meet Kim Jong Un. He's also been over there like five or six times and spent a lot of time with Kim Jong Un, and Rodman knows Trump very well. So you, you gotta give Rodman some credit because. Without Rodman, I don't know if this I don't know if this ever would have happened. It still probably would have, but at the same time, I think Rodman, if you re, if you recall last year, Rodman brought over uh, some gifts for Kim Jong Un of Trump memorabilia, including the Art of the Deal. And t- Rodman told Kim Jong Un, "Read this book." And uh, you know, there's just all these different things, uh, and, and Rodman has been going over there trying to you know, asked for peace for a long time, for like the last four or five years. And in this clip, Rodman even says Obama would not even talk to Rodman because he, he – but now Trump finally listened. And it, it, this is good. This is good. This is good. Uh, one, two. It, it's entertaining. You'll laugh, too, at the same time. But, uh, okay, here we go. How are you doing, guys? Good. Do you have uh, – what does your hat say? What's my hat say? Oh, good. Now I can see it. Let's so you make have America America. great again. All right. So you got it right there? You got Chris it? Cuomo. I got it. Thank you. So you made your way to Singapore. How important yeah. is this to you? You talked a lot about the prospects for peace when we spoke several years ago. Did you think this moment would ever come? Well, in my heart and soul, when I first went to North Korea, I was very honored to even be selected to go there. And I've told people about Kim Jong-un. He's all about the 21st century. He's trying to progress his country. 
And Donald Trump is going to do a oh, great on. job is try to reach out and make sure that our hands, Americans, our hands are always open because as Americans, we have let so many people around the world join us. I talked to Kim Jong Un and uh, an administration over there five years ago, and he asked me five years ago, we sat down for lunch, and he sat down and asked me, hey, Dennis, uh, I would like to ask you three things if you go back to tell the President of the United States these three things, and I would be willing to talk to him. And this is a true story, and I got my people here that was there that heard the conversation. He said um, things like, uh, if they can move the ships back from South Korea, I would do what I have to do to listen. If you can move certain things or do certain things, I will listen. My ears will be open. And I tried to do that to Obama. And Obama didn't even give me the time of day. I asked him. I said, I have something to say from North Korea. He just brushed me off. But that didn't deter me. I still kept going back. I kept going back. I kept going back. I showed my loyalty and my trustworthy to this country. And I said to everybody, I said, the door will open. I remember you saying it. I remember you saying it. Let me ask you it's something. Amazing. Does Kim it's understand amazing. English, Dennis? No, it's, no, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. When I said those things, when I said those damn things, when I went back home, I got so many death threats. I got so many death threats. I was sitting there protecting everything, and I believed in all Korea. And when I went home, I couldn't even go home. I couldn't even go home. I had to hide out for 30 days. I couldn't even go home, oh, yeah. but I kept my head up high, brother. I knew things were going to change. I knew it. I, I was the only one. I never had no one to hear me. I didn't know one had to see me. But I took those bullets. I took all that. I took everything. Everyone came at me, and I'm still standing. And today is a great day for everybody. Singapore, Tokyo, China, everything. It's a great day. It is a great I'm day. Here to this see is a historic day. It. I'm so happy. And Dennis Rodman also known as the worm uh, for how he played basketball. He is our best resource at this point right now for understanding the minds of the two men, especially. There you go. There you go. I like the passion in uh, Rodman's voice. I uh, like the enthusiasm. I like the dedication. I know. How do you feel, Michael? (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, I, I have to say I, I have mixed emotions um, I, I, um, Me too Because look This guy His description of this guy Is a little slanted uh, You know so, so two wrongs don't make a right And, uh, and Trump isn't Going there because of Rodman But you know it is um, And 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 Kim Jong-un's probably paying attention because Trump isn't Obama. Obama is like the idiot that thinks if you yeah. ask the bully in the, in the, in the uh, playground to be nice to you, the bully will be. And the bully exactly. will smell blood and attack. And Trump knows that. And, and this kid, look, he just killed his half-brother. Was that a year ago? I just... You know, this is a power. Make no mistakes about it. This is what we call a charm offensive, but that doesn't mean they're charming. It is, it is. You know, it's the hypnosis of a cobra. It is power. Yeah. And yeah. the second that someone actually believes that we don't won't hit them, 
that things would change. And um, so, yeah. you know, I don't, I'm not, you know, fine with Dennis. I mean, I have, <laughs> you know, I mean, look, he's, he, Dennis Rodman is, has, has, is a very intense guy with a very big heart. Uh, but I yeah. happen to have, having lived in Detroit and, 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 and it's funny because my, my, um, my, my, my uncle had, had, season tickets to the um, to the to the um the pistons. I spent a lot of time early on and he's just a big kid. He's just a big, big boy. And um so, you know, okay fine. <laughs> I mean, you know I mean <laughs> Kim Jong un's one celebrities in basketball and, and Rodman's great, but you know, I'm not gonna say he's a Secretary of State. It's it's and, fine. ambassador you know? ambassador to North Korea. How about ambassador to North Korea? Okay, <sighs> you know whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I will I will say it's a fine example of, you know, getting elected or appointed to big office does not in, does not involve a brain cell transplant. But you know what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, believe it or believe it or not. You know, when you got people like Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or any of these other people that are in there, why can't Dennis Rodman do it? Well, well, I mean, okay, fine. I mean, spin the bottle if that's my only choice. But you know, I'm just, I'm just not going to partake in too much history rewriting here uh, because no, I know um, what you mean. I, know, I mean, I know. it's kind of like, just, look, look. Here, here's I'm funny about it. I, I think time, Roseanne though. got com- I, I think that Roseanne got completely screwed, and the reason Roseanne got screwed is because they looked for any crack in the wall to get rid of her. But that yep. doesn't mean she's a conservative. Right. And it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Because because yeah, Trump will use anybody. Trump will use anybody. He doesn't care. <laughs> He's a salesman. Here's what I want to. Here's what I want to ask you. Uh, you know, I want to. Zolo, I know you got thoughts, here, but go ahead on Rodman real quick. But then I want to. We got about ten minutes left. We got a few more topics, big topics to discuss. Go ahead. Sure. Um, I I understand what people are saying about Rodman, how he deserves, you know, some credit or whatever. I, I just the way I see it is I, I just don't think Donald Trump needed him. I think Donald Trump knows Kim Jong-un likes him, is obsessed with him, and uh, he brought him maybe as a sign of respect. As for Dennis Rodman, uh, he's... The whole crying thing, I didn't actually see it on video, so I don't know. Um, no, there were but tears I will running say, down, his face, down his sunglasses. Dennis okay. Rodman cries uh, when he gets a parking ticket. I've seen it for years, but that's another story. So, so I will say... <laughs> I will say about um, Dennis Rodman is that he had a chance five or six times when he was over there, and he never, ever asked him to feed his people or to free our our hostages or to do the right thing in North Korea. And when he was asked that, he said he was naive and he didn't know. How the hell did he not know about North Korea? Somebody living under a box knows that North Korea is starving its own people, and it is an absolute communist dictatorship. So I, I, I don't trust him when he says that. I think he just didn't think about it. But at the end of the day, I mean, give him whatever credit you want, but at the end of the day, it's all Donald Trump, man. That That's what I have my thoughts Oh, it, it absolutely, it's all Donald Trump. It absolutely is all Donald Trump. And, 
you know, it, it's a huge thing. And, uh, you know, I, I do, I want to get, I want real quick though, Dan, I mean, I, I mean, Mike, Michael, I want to get real quick. Your thoughts overall on the whole North Korea thing in one minute, but I want to keep you on the line. Uh, I can say it really fast. It's like, look, (laughs) this means nothing to me until I see results. Nothing. I mean, you have a showman and a bully and it's all about results. And the reason people are getting there is because of power. And, you know, so I don't, it's all trust and verify. It's all you go up there, you know, you 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 show the you know the shark you mean business, and the shark bows down. But you know, we have <laughs> what? Uh, it's the score of following up on your promises in the last fifty years. I'd say the score is zero to fifty. So you know, this is nothing, nothing. You know, you right. you have to. Um, until, until I see what, how it carries through and I see what Trump blinks. I mean, I don't want to see Trump blink on immigration. I don't want to see Trump blink on on war games unless, you know, the war games are, uh, you know, are, are a political ploy and we are still practicing in another way in another area of the world. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't want to, I, you know, so, so, I'm, so that's it. I'm like, you know, talk is cheap and uh, I'm, I'm waiting for trust and verify. We haven't started to verify yet. Yeah, I hear you. Absolutely. 100%. Okay, I want to get a, get to a few more things. <clears throat> a few quick announcements, big big reports today. Small business optimism soars, rises to the highest level in 34 years. Wage increases have hit a 45-year record. Amazing. Um, now, this is, this is another amazing thing. Faith and Freedom Coalition pledges nearly $20 million to GOP in midterms. That's one of the breaking records for, uh, in terms of uh, that in that donation category. Um, you know, it, it's um, Trump's economy. The, Trump's economy at this point has delivered the highest level of job openings ever recorded. I mean, that is unbelievable and absolutely incredible. Um, you know, it, it's beyond remarkable. I, I do, I, I do want to get to a, a very big topic right now. <clears throat> President Trump is strongly considering legalizing marijuana, which I think is is long overdue. Needs to be done. Basically, he would give the rights back to the states and make the let all the states make the decisions. And I think that's how it always sh- should have been and should be. Um, and I think there's, you know, Trump is a businessman. He looks at the money side of it. He looks at the, uh, you know, the business opportunity and, and the standpoint from that aspect. And there is so much lucrative opportunity in the pot industry. And if alcohol is legal, if alcohol is legal, which kills so many people, pot's never killed anyone. And pot's have actually proven to do some good and actually help people. Why not make it legal? Make sense. Make Makes all the sense in the world. Not, you know, it, it just in every aspect it makes sense, and it's long overdue. I, you know, what's your thoughts on that, Michael? 
Okay, so you, you forget I'm a science guy that owned a medical laboratory and worked in surgery for 20 years. So, yeah. sorry. <laughs> so, it, it, it's not the same. Uh, we are, when we get politicians involved with science, it's always a, a screw-up. The people that want to do this want to do about money, that's fine, but there's no controls in it. It, it you know, it, it creates long it, it creates long term damage that we have to pick up. It's not exactly like it's not exactly like alcohol. Um, alcohol is, is not. I mean, certainly alcoholism is a massive problem. Don't get me wrong. I'm not arguing prohibition, but it's not the same. It's not easy, and the people that it help is is actually a very um, small proportion. And if 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 there was a way to control it used for medicinal purposes, that would be fine. But I know it happens. I see it happening in the legislatures. I mean, look at California, for God's sake. Everyone just goes apeshit, and then it's a completely different, uh, a completely different use, really. They're just playing legal loopholes. And I'm not going to use a bunch of damn Democrats as a role model. Uh, so well, I'm here's, not – Here's the way – I don't – I don't – hmm? Michael, here's how, here's how I see it. I see it from a strategic voting standpoint because there Trump will get so many voters just from doing this that you would have never thought in a million years would have came and voted for Trump. But he comes and legalizes marijuana. That's something the Democrats want to do. That's a bipartisan issue. He comes to he comes to that. He gets he gets a, a, more voters, a lot more voters, and and not not counting all the voters he already has. I, I'm, I, it's not going to be okay with me. Sorry. I mean, I don't care if that's the way I have to get voters. I, I, I don't. I, you don't if, if you, you don't think it's that I mean, big of a deal in the country right now? Everybody's talking about it. Everybody wants it. I mean, there's all these this controversy about it. You know, there's not. I, I have to tell you, there's not. I don't know anyone. I mean, I've worked in surgery. Okay, I worked in medicine. I worked in cancer diagnostics. I don't know anyone that is a regular pot smoker. <laughs> And heart level stuff. So I'm in a little different, different world. And and I, you know, I I know it it is it is it is something. It's a drug you put in your body that affects you. I'm not for anarchy on it. It is not going to be okay with me until there are safety precautions. Because trust me, in 20 years there will be mothers against high pot smoking drivers, and it will it will be. And it will be a big problem. But this whole, you know, it, it does change your brain function. It does change your brain. It's, it's not over when you recover the next morning. It has got long-term stuff. It's just I'm not, I'm not willing to be okay with the scientific effects just to get a bunch of votes. I won't use we that have, argument. Have, That's like the immigration argument. We have, we have, about, three, we have about three minutes left, and I will, I'm going to have you come back on because I want to talk to you about this because it's so much more to me than just from – for political votes and for political reasons. There's many reasons why I think it should be legal. But real quick, uh, 50 seconds, either Josh or Zolo, if you want to speak on this. Well, real quick, I don't think uh, – I'm sorry to disappoint, but I don't think it should be fully legal, and uh, I think it should be decriminalized. I don't think people should be going to jail for six months for a joint. However, speaking from personal experience – I didn't wake up one day and start shooting heroin. The pot is very strong nowadays. It's different. I'm not saying it's the worst thing in the world. I'm just saying for me and for certain people, it is a gateway drug. Not for everybody, so I'm not saying that. And what I read was Trump was going to lift the federal ban on it uh, for medical marijuana and stuff. I, I didn't think 
if he legalized no, he, he he's so making hard. it so the states can decide. So he's making it well, leaving it up to the states. Well, well, that would be whatever, but I, I highly doubt Trump is for the full legalization of marijuana from my experience listening to him. So we'll see. Well, if, let, okay, hypothetically, my, if, if he supports that, would you, would, you support the, would you support his decision or would you respectfully disagree with him? I would respectfully disagree on the legalization 100% of marijuana, yes. So, Josh, Josh your thoughts? we got about a minute left. Yeah. Josh, go ahead. Yeah, real quick, and I can say in a couple words, I fall real libertarian on this. I don't think the government should have any involvement in what drugs anybody is taking, um, and that goes for meth, heroin, weed, um, to oh, Adderall, to anything. I don't. I just. I. I really don't think that the government should. Just when it. I mean, when it comes to why, why should they be able to tell us? You know, why can we own guns? Yes or no? If I mean, that, why should the government be able to tell me what I can do within my own home? I don't, that's the way I feel about it. Because it causes a danger and, and, to and, others. And, and, well, and, and guys, just to back that up. That's coming. That's coming from someone who's never smoked a cigarette. I haven't like. I barely drank. Like I don't. Well, you don't have personal experience with it. Guys, that's true. No, absolutely, guys, I do not. Guys, we're going to close out. We're, we're, we're out of time. Uh, Michael Doherty, if you have any announcements, please go ahead real quick. Uh, you got like five seconds. Got any plugs? No, I don't have no. I mean, just you know, go buy the book at Devil's on the Beltway to Amazon. <laughs> That's it. And, and where they can visit your site. What's your site, Michael? Oh, thedevilinsidethebeltway.com. Perfect. Okay, Michael, as always, we'll have you back on soon, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Take care. All right. Michael Doherty, everybody. Mike Zolo, uh, we know they can find you on Twitter. What's your username? That's right, at Mike underscore Zolo, Z-O-L-L-O. Thank you. Perfect. We'll, have, we'll see you tomorrow. Well, everybody, Mike Zolo, we'll see you tomorrow, buddy. Always a pleasure having you on. Our co-host, Mike All Zolo, right, everybody. And, jo- and Josh, go ahead. What, where can they find you? Yeah, go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Josh Halavity, J-O-S-H-H-L-A-V-A-T-Y. Perfect. Excellent. Everybody, I want to thank all my special guests, all my listeners, all my co-hosts, all my audience. Very grateful for all of you. Uh, please visit my store at thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. Again, that's thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. We will be having our news, new media, new, I'll be having my new news media site, the next gen USA that will be coming out in the next week or in the next week or so. We're still finishing up finishing it up. It's looking amazing. You can also visit me at RorySodder.tv. Everybody, we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, Again, thank you for tuning in. I'm Rory Sodder. Have a great night. Cheers. God bless.